Jules, it's another episode of Gab and Jules Meets. Yes. And, you know, we'd like to introduce our guest at the beginning. This one, I think, needs no introduction, which is why when he asked them to introduce himself, <laughs> didn't quite do that. Hi, everybody. Yeah, you know who I am. I don't need to introduce myself. I hope you enjoyed the interview. Take care and have a good, safe life. Jules, we've been chasing the Slatan interview oh, yes. for a good chunk of the season. Different reasons didn't happen. Um, and then when it did happen, just to give some people an insight of what happens behind the camera, uh, it was it was on the day that news that Mino Raiola had passed away mm. broke. And as it turned out, the news wasn't wasn't accurate. Raiola Not tweeted day, later, yeah. and then obviously tragically passed away 40 hours later. Now, for those who don't know, Slatan Ibrahimovic and Mino Raiola are extremely tight. Mm. Um, they've had a relationship going back more than more than 20 years. And the news, the, the, the fake news, the incorrect news, broke sort of about 15, 20 minutes before we were supposed to, to, to speak to him. And so I spoke to Milan and I said, look, he must, be, um, he must be heartbroken, not in condition. If he wants to postpone it again, let's go ahead and, and postpone it. Yeah. And to his credit, Milan came back and says, no, he wants to go ahead with it. And obviously later we found out that Mino was still with us. Um, but it just struck me about what must have been going through his mind when he talked to us. Yeah, completely, because unless he knew that it was fake news, but certainly didn't show like it, uh, he was maybe not in the right mindset to do an interview, even on Zoom with you know two guys after his lunch, after training in the morning, considering there was clearly a big uncertainty of uh, massive health you know scare, massive yeah. issues for, for his agent and they, they were more than agent and player they were no. really close friends almost family so you could just imagine what was going through no and in fact um, you know I read the book that he released earlier this year he's released several books but one of these is, is a book called uh, Adrenaline in Italian Adrenaline and he takes a sideways look at many different things that he's talked about and one of the things that he talks about is is Mino and his relationship yeah. with Mino, and you know the parallels. I, I would have wanted to ask him more about it. I didn't think it was the right time given what was going no, you're on. Right, you're right. But you know these two guys, immigrant families, different countries. Mino in, in Holland, Slatan um, obviously in Sweden. I kind of subverting the established order with their bluntness. I think personality-wise, a lot in common, but this deep bond. Of, of trust that exists between the two of them. And interestingly, Milan, are, you know, he had a con, he came back to Milan, sorted things out, um, helped them get into the Champions League two seasons ago. And then in the summer, he was on a big salary. He ended up staying, completely changed his salary so that it was all kind of bonus driven. Yeah. And Milan now enjoying a tremendous season. Um, and we asked him about that. The team is working hard, the team has a big will, uh, the team is, uh, has been doing and are doing big sacrifices to, to arrive for the objectives we have this season. Last season uh, we had different objectives and from that season obviously you go, you hire your objectives and uh, the season has been good so far, I mean some setbacks we, ha we had. The team is still young, is, is growing, getting more and more experience and uh, we're on top of the table for the moment and uh, we just need to focus, keep doing what we're doing and uh, we promise to do our best 
Then in, uh, in football, I know from my own experience, from one week to another week, a lot of things can change. I have this book here, which one of the books that you wrote, uh, and you make the point that as you get older, um, you try to help the team in, in different ways. The way you play perhaps changes a little. Um, you become supportive in the dressing room in a different way than you were before. Can you talk a bit about you readjusting your role from being the center of everything to being important but in a different way? I think the older you get, obviously the more experience you get. What I, what I have gone through, teams I've been playing for, uh, players I played with, coaches I, I had and I have, obviously the person creates after these things. And I think at my age now, it's all about giving back. I, I had the moments in my life where I took only, but I didn't give back, but not on purpose. It was just the way it was, because when you're young, you try to show the whole world who you are. You're not satisfied, you want to do more, you want to show you're the best, and, uh, and you keep going. But the older you get, the different, different thinking comes in your mind. And, uh, and at this age, I have nothing to prove since a long time ago. And, uh, and then depends also of the locker room, what kind of team it is. This team is very young. I am the one I am and uh, I try to help everybody be the leader in my own way and uh, obviously in the field and also outside the field. This season I've been on the field not as much as I want to be but when I'm on the field I try to help and then when I'm not on the field I try to be support, supportive on the, from, the, from the side of the field so the team is very very open, very, very hungry to, to do better, to achieve something. And uh, after two and a half years that I'm here, we have been on the first, second place, but we haven't won something yet. And uh, if you don't win, it can be pretty difficult because you do a lot of work, you do a lot of sacrifice, but nothing is coming back. And what I mean nothing is coming back is trophies, because that is what you work for. So you don't have that credit and that proof for what you're doing is working. So we're just missing the trophy now because we're doing everything perfect. But to get the stamp, we need a trophy. So people really believe in what we're doing. So like I said, the team is growing every day and I'm trying to do what I'm able to do in, in, in many ways and in the best ways. Ibra, we, we said collectively the season is, is going really good so far. But I want to know about how you have felt you personally during this season, has it been really frustrating because, as you mentioned, you would have liked to, to have played more? Has it been fulfilling because you've been able to give back, like you said, which is something that you didn't do before, but now that you do, fulfilling to help people, fulfilling to share your experience, fulfilling everything, or, or the frustration is, is more there than maybe any other feelings? Of course I'm frustrated because I'm used to be on the field, help the team on the field. Most of all, I'm suffering because I'm not able to play the game I love to play and the passion, the big passion I have for the game. So the adre adrenaline I have comes from when you're on the field. But if I cannot be on the field, I try to help in, a, in another way because I still have this responsibility 
and still my teammates look up to me in a way in the same way if I'm playing or not playing so I'm trying to help in in every way and and this is something collective and we do this together so even if I'm not on the field I trust my players uh, I know they they're there to to do the the best thing they can do and uh, and we do it together even if I'm not on the field so this is not a one-man show this is this we do together and that's why the season has been going so good because this is something collective and the, the collective thing is working and when that is working the individual part works so but like I said I'm suffering that I'm not on the field so mm -hmm. now I'm able to do more so it doesn't matter now now it's all about to win so if we win I will be as happy as I would be when I'm on the field and playing all these games I'm used to when I read your book I was struck by you get the adrenaline when you're on the field. You devote a lot of time in your book talking about your family and, and your children. Is there a time in a man's life, especially footballers, when, when the football, the playing football stops, when maybe your kids are older and they start leaving the house, that then you start thinking, what is my next chapter? Where do I get that fulfillment, that adrenaline from? I'm in, a, I'm in a situation now, I'm close to the goal line, let's say, so <laughs> I didn't come over the goal line yet, so like I wrote in the book, I'm a little bit panicking because when it stops, what do you do? What is the next chapter? I know there is a lot of possibilities, I know you, I can do a lot of things, offers I will have from all over the place, but like I said, the adrenaline I get on the field I will never get that in something else. So I try to postpone that goalie line. Normally when I play the game, I'm trying to score goals. So I want to pass that goalie line. But for me to take that step over the goal line to, to stop playing the game, I'm trying to push it as, as far, far away from me as I can. But obviously I need to be healthy. I want to be able to enjoy the game. I want to I wanna feel good when I play. When you suffer, you go against all these small things that I'm natural now because it makes no sense to play the game if you suffer too much. Better, better than be realistic and tell yourself it's, it's enough, you did what you did and, uh, and start the new chapter. But I'm not there yet because if I already focus on that, it means in my head I already prepared to stop. So if I'm preparing to stop, I'm not able to help my teammates and I'm not helping myself to achieve what I want. So in my mind, I'm not there yet. But obviously, a little bit scared of st stop playing the game. I think when you're in the game such a long time, it's, you're like a, like a soldier. You, you have a program that you follow and every day is repeating, repeating. So, and it has been going on for 25 years now. So I'm close to that line, but I'm not there yet. Are you surprised that it lasts so long? In the sense that when you started at Malmö and, and you were these this very super promising kids that were clearly going to have a, a, an amazing career, but maybe not for that long. You know, this is such a long time. There's no other players right now in the, in the big five leagues, for example, 
who've lasted as long as you, who've been playing at that kind of level for all those many years. Because being fit is one thing. There's a lot of players who retired, they were still fit, but they just didn't have the passion maybe anymore, didn't, just didn't fancy the training anymore, traveling and being far from the family. But for you to have last all that long, does that surprise yourself even thinking like, wow, okay, 25 years on, I still have the same passion. I still want to win as much, maybe even more than before. Okay, your body is now, it's a bit more difficult, but before everything else, it's still very much there, like the first day maybe. I mean, during your career, you go through different moments. I had moments where I wanted to, to, to stop playing the game. I was acting big and really? saying I will stop the game when I'm on top. Then I got this ugly injury and uh, there I notice I get to feel how it was without playing the game. So that brought me back to want to play the game and uh, since then I just want to keep playing because I don't want to have any regrets when I stop and say I could have continued to play the game. I want to squeeze the orange until the end so when <laughs> it's really squeezed then I tell myself I, I don't have anything more to give and uh, and I still feel when I'm on the field that I'm able to do things that I did before and uh, as long as you not only feel it and you can demonstrate it and uh, then it's it's okay but if you're you have a too big ego in your head you think you're the best but you don't show you're the best then somebody has to that once good, that really cares about you, should step up and say, listen, it's time to stop. And uh, from here, it's only getting opposite than it was before. So if somebody really likes me and see this, I would give him the advice to come and step in front of me and telling me this. But so far, nobody came. Either they are scared <laughs> of telling me this or they know I'm the best. So it's <laughs> one or the other one. <laughs> that, that doesn't change, Shiba. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com gab. Just go to Indeed.com gab. Gab right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Gab. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. George, what struck me was one of the messages that comes out from the, from the book is that there's two things that have really driven him and have been really central to him. Mm. One is the title of the book implies the adrenaline, the buzz yeah. that he gets from competing, yeah. from being on the pitch, which is what's kept him going until he's 41. And now that's coming to an end. And on the horizon as well, the other thing that was really central to his life is his family, uh, his wife, Helena, and his two sons. And I was thinking about this, and you know, as a father as well, like you're mindful of the fact that his two sons are growing up. And he looks forward 
And in a couple of years, maybe sooner, mm -hmm. he's not going to have the adrenaline of being on the pitch and competing and being Slatan. And he'll obviously still be a father, but his kids are going to grow up. Yeah. They're going to become men. That They're going to adults to leave home. Yeah. It's I mean, midlife crisis, right? Mm. There's strong words. He talks about the fear, you're right. He talks about suffering, struggles because of injuries this season, because of the fact that he knows he's getting towards the end of the career. He says that he's panicking. There's strong words from someone who's usually doesn't use those words. No. Suffering, pain, struggles, panic. And I think he shows Latan in a, in a different light, really, than the one we've been used for 25 years. You, you realize the relationship between footballers and their injuries, their, their, their fallibility. We know they know that they can get hurt and their mm. career can end in an instant. Oh, we've seen it happen. And kind of, I'm always fascinated by the idea that they have between their mind and, and their body. Their bodies are tools of their trade. And it can have a bigger impact too, obviously. When you think about when he moved to Manchester United, yeah. um, there's a parallel universe. You know, obviously it was the summer of Pogba, Mkhitaryan. He had a tremendous first season. Uh, and obviously it ended with that with that injury, there's a parallel universe, maybe, in which Slatan doesn't get hurt with Mourinho and Pogba. <laughs> I talked about how well he gets on with Pogba. They win something important. And United regained their mojo yeah, then and maybe. there with Mourinho. I came to a club that was used to win. I came to a club that is known to have big players, to, have, to be known for have a big mentality the winning mentality. So when I came there, everybody was speaking about when Sir Ferguson, Alex Ferguson was here, was not like that. When Sir Alex was here, was not like that. And I said, listen, I'm not here because of Sir Alex Ferguson, with all the respect for him. I'm here to do my own story because if I don't win, I fail. So I came in and I try to bring what I'm good at on the field, outside the field. And, uh, and I wanted to win at every cost. And then I was playing for the biggest, one of the biggest club in, in the world. And uh, I had Mourinho as the coach that I knew from before, new players I didn't play with before. And, uh, and that season we won three trophies. So when you win, nobody can say nothing because that is the moment when you show everybody the answer for what you're working for, the answer for what you're believing in, and nobody, nobody says nothing. And then after that, I left after two seasons. The second year, I had problem with my injury, and from there, things are different. But I cannot judge if I'm not there. I judge where I am, present time, and from there I can speak. Like it was same thing before I came to Milan. Milan. Didn't win for many years, didn't play in the Champions League, so I cannot judge that. So whoever people they bring in, I, I think they bring in to, to believe in it and to believe that they can win. So I don't think the people that work for the club brings in players that because they don't want to have a success or they don't want to win. I don't think that is the intention, but obviously it's a big work behind it. It's easy to speak in front of a camera, they should do like that, they should do that and then judge, have your own opinion. But when you're really in the place, it's something else. It's a, it's, it's a lot of work. It's, it's not about one individual person. It's, it's like a pyramid from the top to the bottom. Everything has to work. And when everything is working, then the success is coming. So, but I think people should stop talking about what happened before 
and talk about present and try to go in front because whenever whoever did that before, yeah, they put the status of the club, they put the history of the club, but that doesn't help you now. Now you go from today and you go in front. Can I speak about, like I said before, how good I was before and what I did before and that and I'm not doing nothing now. No, I have to still demonstrate and I have to still bring out the results or else I'm not here. This is the game today. I'm here today, tomorrow I'm somewhere else if I'm not good enough. So that's the way my mind is working. Then for other ones, to be honest, I don't really care. So, <laughs> Did you enjoy your time in, in the Premier League? Because I, obviously I had fun. I'm a big... I had fun. I, I really enjoyed it because when I came, Everybody was against it, and then in England they didn't like me. Uh, <laughs> they had all these, I'm not sure that's true. They didn't like you. Do you think? They had all these words, blah blah blah, blah blah blah. <laughs> but all these haters, after three months, they started to like me, and then I didn't like them anymore <laughs> because I like people when they hate you because then they bring out the better of you. And uh, but I had fun. is a is a is a great competition. is amazing atmosphere. And, uh, and I'm happy I played for United, which I think is the best team in England. And I think it was the right choice to, to go to Manchester United. I think I came in a good moment because it's easy to come to a club when the success is already there. It's more difficult when you come and the challenge is different when you come to a club which is in need to have a success. And then you, if you manage to have a success, you're part of the story. So the fans was great to me. And, uh, and I really enjoy A lot of things happened. Uh, you mentioned there about enjoying being hated. There's a great line in your book about what, is, what gives you more motivation, uh, being loved or being hated. And you write that, well, if you're hated, you know that you are hated. If you're loved, sometimes you can't be sure that it's true love. Um, I, I, thought that was, I thought that was pretty incredible. No, but it is like that because when they hate you, then you really know it. But when they like you, I don't know if they say it because they're in front of you or they say it because of getting some followers or positive vibes. Because <laughs> in America, you have a big problem. You all try to look for the perfect image. And then people like you because you're looking for the perfect image. What I'm saying, the perfect image is being yourself. You don't need to try to be somebody else. In US, what I see with the... Uh, Big athletes, they're bringing an entourage of 20 people that tries to create the perfect image of you. Just be yourself and you will have the perfect image. So, and that is what I mean. Either they like you or they don't like you. But I'm not here because I'm looking for people to like me or dislike me or whatever. I'm here to do my job because if I wouldn't play football, I wouldn't do this interview. I wouldn't have opinion from people. And I know this because I'm realistic, but I don't... I don't live in that. I'm just trying. I'm just trying to be myself, and I am being myself. So, people get overheated with these things, and they take over their head, and um, and they think they they live in a movie. But when the movie is finished, <laughs> they don't get any attention. Then they will suffer for real. See, I'm I'm curious about this because, like you, I'm a father. And another thing you write in your book is that when you're at home you're not the character the world sees as Slatan um or ibra or, i forget which one you use but you know you are a different you can call me god don't worry 
The person that I should be in home. I don't bring that personality. No, not, not the, the the image home, because nobody in my family is in my shadow, or I don't let them be in the second line. They are more important than me. People take themselves too serious when they they are famous or they have a success. That person doesn't exist home. When I'm home, I'm home. I give you another example. When I go to my son's training. I'm there as a supporter. I am there as a as a father. I'm not in the field telling him where to run right or left even if I play the same game. I'm not there to warm up with them because if I do that I don't do a favor to my son because it's all about me and nothing about him. Instead it's opposite. It's all about them and nothing about me. So people they they take themselves too serious with this attention but they don't do any favor for their family members because one day they will be in the independent and not be the son of of that person i don't want that they are their own character their own person and they are much more important than what i am so this is the way i think but we all have different mindset when you watch the boys play do you is there a lot of feedback after the game do you do you debrief with them do you Do you give them a lot of advice? Are you tough? I remember Thierry Henry, for example, saying that his dad was really, really tough. He could score five goals and on the way home, his dad would say, but you missed that touch and you missed that chance and you missed that shot. And what, what Ibra, why is Ibra as a dad with the boys as footballers? What's, what's the vibe there? I'm, I'm being realistic to them. I mean, I have this difficult because when I give my opinion, I don't give opinion because he's my son. I give opinion what I think yeah. about the game and what I know about the game. So if they ask me, I give a straight, a straight answer. So if I think they didn't go, do good enough and they say they were good, I will say, listen, you didn't do good enough. But if you think yeah. you did good enough, which is more important than my opinion. So I give them advices, I try to help them and uh, If they want me to, to guide them and coach them, I'm there. But in the end, they have to be happy and have the self-discipline to do it because of themselves. Don't do it because mm. of me, because then you're not, doing, you're not doing it, doing yourself a favor, because you should do it for yourself. And, and in that case, I have to say they, they, they're good because They don't do it for, for me, for my, for my wife or somebody else. They're doing it for yeah. themselves, which is the most important because if you do it for your parents because they put pressure on you, because they're investing a lot of things in you, and then one day they will wake up and say, listen, I want to do something else because I don't want to do it anymore because of you. So it's important that they really enjoy the game and they have fun with the game. And then obviously, if you come to a different level, things are becoming more serious. But it's all about them, so that's why I say I try to be in the backstage and just push them and help them. So I don't go on the field and show them who they are. Of course, I play with my kids in the garden and that. But when yeah. it comes to their area, I'm not. I'm not important. 
would you like them to, to be, if, they, if they're good enough to become professional or would you rather them to, to play another sport even just because carrying the name might not be easy you know you, you play with, with Paolo's son for example right now in Milan that, that comes with a lot of pressure same if you call Ibrahimovic and you're the son of Zlatan would you rather them I don't know be a doctor a lawyer a singer an actor or play basketball or whatever or, or you would like them being, being professional footballers as well I mean if they if they choose to become a football professional football player I will be happy for them I don't mm. I just try to raise them give them discipline and, and respect that they learn what respect and discipline is and one day I'm, I'm trying to teach them and raise them that one day they can be independent and, and live their own lives. So that is my responsibility as father. And I just bring things the way I was raised to my children with different possibilities, obviously. So if they become professional football players or whatever, I will be happy for them. But what, what I think when we do something, we give 200%. We don't go to waste time. Because I don't bring my children to training to waste time. I bring them because they, they are there to do their best. More than that, I don't, I don't demand. So whatever they become, if they're happy, I'll be happy for them. As long as they give, they give their best in whatever they do. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing. However, you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launcher online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million dollar stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify is your no excuses business partner. Sell without needing to code or design. Just bring your best ideas and Shopify will help you open up shop. What I love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash gabjewels, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash g-a-b-j-u-l-s now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash gabjewels. Jules, I had to ask him something um, that really struck me. It was a huge story. In Italy. Yeah, yeah. I, I need to give the background to this. In Italy, we have a big annual uh, music festival called uh, the Sanremo Festival. It's on television uh, and whatnot. You get different celebrities. And this is a story which I was sure was a PR stunt designed to go viral, maybe by the organizers or whatever. 100% I was sure. So I had to ask him about this. But basically, the story goes, um, goes like this. Slatan had agreed to go and guest host one of the nights of the festival. And Sanremo's, you know, three, four hours drive, maybe a little less from, from Milan. So he gets in the car, he got the driver to take him. There's an accident on the highway. And they're stuck, literally, for six hours. He can't get out. Um, and so he says, I'm Slatan, I, I, I got to get there. I have to, I can't let these people down. Um, again, I didn't think this next part of the story is true, but what does he do? He stops a motorcyclist 
and he says, Hi, I'm Ibrahimovic. No, no, I didn't say I'm Ibrahimovic. I was waiting for his expression. So when he saw Ibra, <laughs> then I said, he's the right guy. And from there, I used the situation and I said, listen, you need to bring me to this festival. So I'm already a little bit late, but I need to come. So the meaning, the purpose of this Sanremo festival was to, to give back for what Italy gave me. So this was only me showing that I was thankful for whatever they gave me because I've been spending here from the football profession half of my time. So this was only about giving back and I, and I don't need publicity for, for a purpose. When I do things, I do it from my heart and uh, to do charity and to help people, I do it from my heart without being seen. I know a lot of people do it to be seen and have some kind of publicity so they can say that's a good guy, he's really helping. Do these things without being seen. Then you're really doing it because you want to do it. And not doing a fake thing just to have a perfect image. So I don't do nothing for publicity if, I'm, if you're not paying me. So if you want to pay me, I'll do publicity for you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I was just struck by the fact that you stop uh, a motorbike. Yeah, but I was lucky. That, I was lucky that he. And you have the courage. He was a Milan fan and he was a, a, God, a God believer. So. <laughs> he, saw, he saw God for real, and he gave, became he became all shocked, and he brought me there. So I was I was lucky. He said it was his first time driving a yeah, motorbike yeah, on that, the highway. But that too. he told me after. <laughs> but he only told you that after. That was, that was afterwards. Risky. So, but I didn't have time to react or get angry because I was already late. So I said, "Wait here, we talk after." And after I would, I would have tell him different words, but I was just thankful and happy. You know, Italy and, and Milan, especially, I guess, maybe more than Turin, but Italy feels like home, maybe not as much as Sweden, but not far from it. Did, did Paris ever, ever feel to you like home? Or did you always feel with Paris that you had a job to do, like you've explained so far in the interview, and you were there to do a job, which at the time was to take this team to the next level? Or did it feel a bit like home still for you and Elena and the kids? When you sign a contract with a club, first of all, it's a job because of your profession. So you sign a deal, they pay you, you give something back. And that is a job. So when I came to Paris, I was very objective. I said, I want to change the club in what the people, for the people's wish and for, for what they wanted. And I came there and have this. Like every other club you go to, you need to do your job. You, you want to become better. And, uh, and obviously, by time and time, you feel better, you feel more comfort, it becomes more a home for you. And I spent four years in Paris, so if I don't say that I felt like home, it's very, it's very wrong on me. So, of course, I felt home. I was very attached to the club, to the city, to the fans. And when I left, it's the only moment where I really was emotional. Because if you see my last game, when I, my mm -hmm. kids were running in, I, I was very emotional and I had a couple of tears coming out. And uh, because what I went through with the club from bottom to the top, to go through this, um, this adventure, let's say, was not easy, but in the end we succeeded and, uh, and, I, and I was very, very happy and very attached to the, let's say, to the project that was, that was going on. So. To say that it was not my home, it's, it's a mistake of me. 
I've got three children. They all love you because they're all PhD fans. And the club invited us to a game against Nice when Ben Arfa played for Nice. Uh, and we went to the stadium, to the Parc des Princes. It was a lovely day and we had great seats and we enjoyed it. I think he scored a hat-trick. There was an amazing freak. Anyway, at the end of the game, my kids say, oh, do you think we can, we can wave at Ibra and maybe he will wave back? So I said, we can, but there's a lot of people here. It might not see us. Anyway, so we're here waving towards you, right? And you're on the pitch. And, and, and at some point, you wave back. And my kids are like, wow, Ibra is waving back. So we, we wave again and you wave and we're like, this is incredible. So we wave, we wave. And at some point I turn around and behind us, literally behind us, there was Elena and the boys. And you were not waving at us, you were waving at them <laughs> behind us. I never told my kids. So right now they still believe that you waved at us after the PSG in this game. Are you sure which it was, was for story. Elena and my kids? Maybe it was for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's all I care about, Ibra. I can leave I, I now. Think, I think for your happy. children, keep the story that it was for them. Don't change the story. <laughs> yeah, and you don't tell them either if I you run into his kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why I say now it. in the interview, are you sure it was for Elena and the boys? was for you, maybe. Of course. Having Zlatan with us, I was—I had to ask him something about PhD and his time and his time in Paris, and not so much the success and how much he helped the club growing and all of that, because this is this is obvious. But I wanted to to try to find out from himself more the relationship he had with the city and Paris and him and his family, how happy they feel there, how at home they they felt there, if if they did really, because I was always wondering if he saw it as a job. I come here for four years, I do a job and then I leave. Or if, if there was more attachment maybe to Paris, to the club, to the fans, etc. etc. And and I, I don't think he would ever feel at home in Paris like maybe he does in Milan where he spent many years, or certainly in Italy, or, or in Sweden even, and Rosengard where he, he all started. Yeah, and obviously you, you bring up Rosengard, that, that was a big part of him, um, of, of, of his life. And he, he goes into it how you know, as a son of immigrants, we have this idea of Sweden where everybody's sort of blonde and airy and looking and they're all running around and looking healthy <laughs> and whatever. But Rosengard's different. different. It is a, yeah. It's an immigrant neighborhood, immigrants from all over the world. It's the same thing that we see in many European cities. And these people are, are moved to Sweden. They have all the issues that often people have when, when they're forced to emigrate. And I think it's safe to say it was probably still is, a rough neighborhood. Mm. Ibrahimovic himself would, would talk about how, you know, he was embarrassed because he grew up poor, and so he would steal um, kit from uh, from Malmo's training ground yeah. and walk around in that, as if people aren't going to notice this six-foot-five dude, but whatever. <laughs> um, but it was interesting. I, I asked him about how Rosengard has, has changed in his role as well as a guy who is not, you know, he doesn't look like our stereotypical Swede. You know, how is Sweden, like a lot of countries, you know, the added towards the immigrant, how things have changed over the years. Um, there's a great line in, uh, in his book where he talks about Swedes were asked to do their poll of the greatest ever Swedish athlete. And at the time, I don't know if this would still be true today, but um, Bjorn Borg finished first. Bjorn Borg looks uber Swedish, yeah, especially yeah, yeah. a Swede from a certain era. Um, and Ibra finished second. Uh, so it was interesting to hear his view yeah. on, on how that developed. I think, uh, I think it's a big difference. I think a lot of things happened. We, we tried to develop for, for, for better things. 
we we try to do things for 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 better purpose for better conditions for better possibilities for everybody i think in my own case i think i open up the doors to to feel welcome even if you're different even if you're not the typical swedish i open up doors in in the game I'm playing, let's say the, the football, the, the, the people that have different backgrounds are more welcome, they have possibilities and they can believe more in them, they are more acceptable. So a lot of things happened since I was the little kid running around and, and now the doors are open. When I was young, there was not a door, there was a wall. But with my mentality and with my ego, with my will, I went through all the walls and now these holes, they made doors, but these doors are open now. So whoever comes through that doors now with different background or whoever you are, whatever you come from, you will get a chance. Then it's up to you. So a lot of things has been changed and uh, it's still changing and it's still becoming better. And, uh, and this is what I believe and I think I'm seeing it also. And uh, we just have to keep going and try to make the world in a better way. You spent time in, in Major League Soccer. Um, you were very honest about your assessment, about the good sides, the good aspects of it and, and the bad aspects of it. It feels like the United States and football, uh, the, the football that as you and I understand it, that's a slow process over time. There's American players coming to Europe, there's others developing in MLS. How did it feel now all these you know I, after having had these years there do you feel positive about it no i'm yeah i'm very happy i'm very thankful for the mls because they gave me the chance to feel alive but the problem was i was i was still too alive so i was too good for the whole competition and that is what i showed and i'm the best ever to play in mls and that is not me having ego or trying to show off now that is true true facts and when i was there I enjoyed, I had good time, and, uh, and I liked the way they were working, the way they were doing the, the marketing stuff, and uh, I think the best way to, to, for me to come back where I was after my injury was MLS. So I was in the best condition ever, and I'm very proud I played for the MLS, because they were saying to me the stadiums, they're pretty empty when you play in that. There was no empty stadiums when I was playing. It was even overbooked, so I cannot complain, and I'm, and I'm very happy I was there, so you never know. Maybe one day I'll come back, so to show them how, to give them a reminder what real football is, so <laughs> at least for two years they, they get to see what real football is, and I think they will never see something like that again. I think your former teammate, David Beckham, is involved with a football club in Miami, so it if you're okay with the bad. humidity, why yeah. not? Why not? <laughs> Maybe I come back, I have my own club. You never know. Uh, that <laughs> no. would be amazing, Ibra. Your own franchise. You'll be the boss. You can do whatever you want. I am already the boss. Wherever I go, I'm the boss. So it will not change. <laughs> Well, Jules, uh, there you have it. I think wow. he kind of lived up to our expectation. Um, I love him our... even more now. I love him even more. I was already in love, as you could tell, but even more now. I am so curious to see what the next chapter in his life will bring. Uh, hopefully not for a while, mm -hmm. but 
it, it, it's interesting, you know, obviously he's, he said, many people have said this, right? Kind of, oh, if 20-year-old Ibra know, you know, had the brain of 40-year-old Ibra, right? We could all say this, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Letters to our younger selves, right? But yeah. um, no, I'm very grateful for him uh, giving us his time as I am with all our other guests. Um, on, there's a Gavin Jules Means mm-hmm. landing page. Uh, where we try to bring you these short, these, these longer form uh, interviews. We've obviously done CONCACAF president, Victor Montagliani. We've done Gail Clichy. We've done Sammy Kadira, uh, super agent, the original super agent, yeah. Giovanni Branchini. Um, so go and, go and check those out if you like this kind of content. And obviously our interview has been sliced and diced. You can see all sorts of YouTube clips, um, extracts from the interview. Um, so as ever, thank you for joining us and look out for the next Gab and Jules meets.